Hello, and welcome to another episode of Living with Hospice. I'm Mitch Ware. I'll be your host today. As you know, I'm a long-term hospice volunteer. I'm actually a bedside musician. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a nurse or social worker or therapist. But I do have a lot of experience with several different hospice organizations. And that experience comes as a client as well as a volunteer. Also, I am not sponsored by anyone, and this podcast is not affiliated with any particular hospice organization. So, uh, you could say we're not beholden to anyone, and we can speak openly and freely about any issue relative to hospice without bruising anyone's ego or stepping on any corporate toes. (laughs) So today, we're going to talk about probably the most interesting question I've ever been asked. How do I go about selecting the right hospice? How do I know what's the best hospice for me and or my family? And the answer is simply shop around. Hospice organizations are identical in their mission to provide comfort. That's physically, emotionally, and spiritually to all of its clients. But how they go about that, well, that's often a little different from hospice to hospice. See what services each hospice has to offer. Don't be concerned about money. Just find out what resources each one has and go from there. You may be thinking, how do I know what to ask? Who do I ask? What should I expect to hear from these folks? Well, that's a great place to start. Because of the Medicare law, all hospices have to provide what's called palliative care. If you aren't sure about what that means, you can refer back to an earlier episode where we discuss in detail what palliative care is. All licensed hospice programs are required to provide certain services, but the range of support services offered can differ from hospice to hospice. Like other medical care providers, business models vary. Some programs are community-based, some are nonprofit, and actually some are for-profit hospices. We discuss the differences between for-profit and nonprofit in episode five. So if you want to go back and look at that, feel free. One big consideration for many people is faith. And there are quite a few faith-based hospices available, especially in larger communities. Faith-based hospices are typically nonprofit and run with a faith component in their tenets of providing care. We have several faith-based hospices in our community here. One is non-denominational, and one, I believe, is Roman Catholic. There may be other smaller faith-based hospices here that I'm not aware of. Each of these, though, incorporate a faith element in the caregiving approach. End of life often brings people back to their faith. Like that old World War I saying, there are no atheists in foxholes. (laughs) Well, whether or not this rings true, there's no question that faith-based hospice census are growing. This may be something that you want to look into when you start your search for a hospice. So ask yourself, what is important to you as you ponder selecting a hospice for you or your loved one? You want to be in good, reliable hands. A hospice that has a, a good track record. You want to know that the doctors, nurses, and aides and volunteers are going to arrive on schedule and that they're 100% committed to you when they're there. You want to know that they are your advocate for better care 
you want to know they are advocating for you at every single turn. Did you know that many hospices have a lot of resources for you and and also for your family? And these range from the obvious, like medical care and 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 that sort of thing, to such things as someone walking through your house and finding ways to make your life and that of your loved ones easier and more comfortable. They order up accessories. They order equipment. They bring in tools to help your life be easier. And this is all at no charge to you. And they even have those things installed if they need to be. Again, at no charge to you. Most have someone, again, a volunteer, who is trained and vetted, who will come in and sit down with you or your loved one and and take down, for example, their life story. Seriously. I've heard some fabulous life stories that the family actually had no idea about. One in particular was when a hospice worker picked up on the fact that a lady she was attending to was a single parent during the Great Depression. Wow, the stories uh, she told about how rough and yet how wonderful life could be when you really don't have anything except each other. The hospice worker asked the lady if she would like to have uh, her stories written down for her family to read one day. a a journal of sorts, so that her grandchildren, her great-grandchildren, her great-great-great-grandchildren, all of them could have insights into her life and the era in which she grew up in. Well, the woman replied, gosh, I never thought about that. Sure, that sounds like a good idea. And so she began just telling her story, and the hospice volunteer recorded it and transcribed it. Hospices can provide many services that enrich the lives of patients and caregivers. A few of those are, well, things like house cleaning. Keeping a clean house is often hard to do when you're taking care of someone you love, and especially if you're worried. Well, there's a a whole bunch of different types of volunteers. For example, someone that would handle the hassle of a crowded grocery store and do your shopping for you, or someone to pick up your dry cleaning and run other errands for you. Another is having a trained and vetted volunteer stop over to visit for a few hours every week. Sometimes those visitors can give the caretakers a break and uh, actually allow the caregiver to leave the house or home to go do some shopping or attend to some appointments. Other services include readers. That's someone to come in and, and read a patient's favorite passages from their favorite book to them. There are also bedside musicians like me, people that come in and and play the music your loved ones just love to hear. I've had to learn a lot of music from the 30s and 40s, but uh, I love every minute of it. There's also uh, pet therapy, and there's uh, cosmetology. This would be by a licensed cosmetologist, and there's just a host of other services available. One very common but very important service is what most hospices call 11th hour. It is a service provided for patients whose loved ones can't be with them at the time of their passing. Hospice provides a specially trained and vetted volunteer to come in and be with your loved one so they're not alone. Another is grief counseling. And that counseling can extend not only to the family but to friends. Most all hospices offer this for up to a year after the loved one passes away. 
Other consideration is how often the staff really is available. If you pick up a particular hospice organization's literature, it'll probably say something like services 24-7. Well, I venture to guess that it's, it's true almost all the time. This is perhaps the time to go online and check out the reviews on hospices that you're considering. Check to see if they're living up to the claims for excellence that they espouse. Check with friends, too. Check with people on Facebook and other social media and see what their experiences have been like with the hospice that you're considering. Smaller hospices, especially those in rural communities, simply do not have the resources of those in the larger cities. But that doesn't mean that they aren't worth your consideration. Hospice focuses on family. Smaller communities are very in tune with that concept of family. You can have a very good experience with a smaller hospice in spite of a lack of resources. The number one consideration in my mind for selecting a hospice is that particular hospice's culture. Check it out. Do they live up to their claims for timely and appropriate care given with love and compassion for the patient and the family? Then, of course, there's a whole nonprofit versus for profit question, and we just talked about that in an earlier episode. That's really not a, a big deal either way. Oh, hey, did you know that hospices are typically chartered to cover one county? Also, did you know that you don't have to choose the hospice that is in your community? I see a woman every week that is from a community over 100 miles away, but she resides in an assisting living facility here in our community. She's a permanent long-term resident, but she is living up here in an assisted living facility in our county, and so is in our service. And I'm glad she is. I love her positive attitude, her bright, cheerful disposition, and her timely sage advice, especially at holiday time. So in summary, how do I know what hospice to choose? Well, shop around. Ask questions about services and and resource availability that are important to you. Read reviews left on hospice organizations' websites and social media. Ask around in your circle of friends about different hospices and the experiences that they've had with them. Check with the Better Business Bureau. You'd be surprised how many businesses that advertise and present themselves as squeaky clean, polished, professional, are really far from it. Always check out the hospice you're considering with the BBB. And finally, if possible, take your time. Do a good job in your due diligence. This is a super important decision you're making here. And most times, this is a family decision. Be inclusive. Don't add to your drama by creating hard feelings with other family members by excluding them if you don't have to. As we wrap this episode up, let me leave you with this little story. We had a a lovely woman move to our community from down south someplace. Her name was Edna, and in spite of her advanced years, she was fully independent, ran her own errands, drove her own car, worked her way into serving on the deaconess board of her new church, as well as being a grandmother for reading time at the local elementary school. She even volunteered at the local food pantry, which is where I got to know her as as I volunteered there also. 
And she was first to arrive every time I was there. She had a smile on her face. She always had encouraging words. And everyone just loved her. Edna went to her new primary doctor for some medical care as she had trouble breathing. Her stamina wasn't quite what it usually is, and her chest would hurt, and she'd often feel nauseous. Well, they ran some tests and determined that she had some heart issues, and so they wanted to run some more tests. And as they did that, they also discovered that she had a terminal disease. She was diagnosed with stage 4 pancreatic cancer, a very short prognosis with this form of cancer. Edna took it on stride, though, said she'd birthed and raised four boys, two girls, married and buried three husbands. How much more difficult could this battle be? The next day, a woman arrived that was a spinning image of Edna, except 25 years younger or so. It was Edna's daughter, Jeanette. Jeanette, upon hearing the whole story from her mom about the chest pains and the nausea and the pancreatic cancer. Somehow, she was able to set up a meeting for her and her mom with an oncologist, then a radiologist, bushwhacked in the doctor's cafeteria, I might add, a feat that (laughs) I have yet to get my mind around as those places are locked up like Fort Knox. And she even arranged a meeting with an internist. I guess the apple didn't fall far from the tree with Jeanette. Like her mom, she was a take-charge type of person, After meeting with all these people, she called a therapist that her mom knew from church and had become pretty close friends with. And I'm sure you wouldn't be surprised to hear that at this meeting, Edna and Jeanette laid their cards on the table. The final decision was that given her short prognosis combined with her heart issues, it was just better to go into a palliative care situation as opposed to more of a curative care situation, which would involve chemo and radiation and all that goes with that. The therapist suggested it was time for hospice care. She gave them some literature for four different hospices in in their community. Two were faith-based, two were not. In typical Edna fashion, they set up interviews and invited each of them to come over to Edna's condo and chat. Over two days, they met with four hospice representatives, one in the morning, one in the afternoon, another the next morning, and the last one in the afternoon. Man, I'd have loved to be in the fly on the wall for those meetings. These two ladies turned on their southern charm, I'm sure, and, and went at these four hospice reps with a vengeance. They actually had them all but bidding against each other, from what I've been told. Anyway, when the dust settled... Edna made her choice. The hospice she chose was a perfect fit for her because of going into hospice care or palliative care as opposed to curative care. She continued to live a full life. She was at the church getting the all-purpose room ready for wedding receptions and birthday parties and such. She continued working at the pantry, making meal bags for the school kids to take home after school, some of which actually she'd worked with as a volunteer in the reading program. As the weeks went on, hospice came in and installed grab handles in her bathroom. They installed a shower seat for her. They brought in a hospital bed for her and put it right there where she wanted in the family room by the window. 
That way she could watch the birds at the feeder and occasional deer or two walk through or wild turkey. She asked for and received hospice volunteers to come in and sing with her. She told stories of raising her four boys and two girls and uh, embarrassing them with her own dance moves when, <laughs> when they would play their records. Edna would fill out thank you notes, and she made sure that all of her volunteers got one. And when it got to the point where she just didn't really feel up to writing anymore, she would dictate thank you notes to staff at the school and send personal notes to kids that she'd helped with reading. And she would pick words that were small enough so that these kids could actually read her notes. As she entered into her 11th hour, all of her children and a few grandchildren gathered at their grandma's house. When the last of her children arrived, she greeted him and thanked him for coming. Very shortly later, she passed away at peace. Her family went out of their way to thank everyone at hospice for their genuine care and and concern for their mom. They were so thankful that Edna had made that decision to go into a hospice care when she did so that she could live her last few months doing exactly what she loved to do and, and living her life the way she wanted, and that was caring for others. Jeanette and Edna set a good example for all of us in end-of-life care. Do your due diligence. Explore all of your hospice options. See who's the best fit for you and your family. Then live the life you have left seeking and finding physical, emotional, spiritual comfort and live your life. Do the things you like to do as best as you can. Thank you for spending your time with me today. As you can tell, I'm very passionate about making sure everyone has a positive journey in their end-of-life experience. All of us at hospice are that way. We want you to be informed. We want you to be armed. We want you to have timely and accurate information in an effort to help you make the best possible decisions regarding hospice care for you or your loved one. As always, if you have questions about hospice or a hospice situation, please drop us a note at livingwithhospice at gmail.com. That's livingwithhospice, all one word, at gmail.com. We may cover your question on a future episode. Who knows? Again, thanks for spending time with us. And until next time, I'm Mitch Ware for Living with Hospice. Have a blessed day.